0: you're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. ministering to us in that way. That was a tremendous, tremendous song. Man, So we stirred up, I'm happy to be saved. And uh, I, like, I like the thought of what Jesus has done for me and, and what he desires to do for so many others. And I hope that you're excited about it. And if I can encourage you in this way, don't ever get bored with being saved. Don't ever get used to the truth of the gospel into the truth of the grace of God. Don't ever get over what Christ has done for you. Don't lose your enthusiasm for being a child of God. It is the greatest thing that could ever happen to you, and you ought to be enjoying that every day. Look, I know there are fluctuations in life, and that's a part of it, and learning to navigate those things, but brothers and sisters, we ought to be glad we're the children of God. (laughs) And it's, man, it's just good to hear a song like that. And I couldn't help but think while the ladies were singing about people that God is giving us to minister to in the Treasure Valley, in Idaho, and just some of the devastation and some of the trials. And yet I'm so grateful that in each of those situations, and even the ones I don't know about, there's hope because there's grace. So... I'll enjoy that with you or without you, but I'm going to enjoy it one way or, the, uh, one way or another. That was, that was some good stuff. Um, we'll stand and read in just a moment. Don't stand yet, but go ahead and open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 34. So my wardrobe habits are not the only odd thing about me. <laughs> And if you want to know more, you can ask your pastor or ask my wife in the limited time that we have here. Um, and that wasn't the only time. That wasn't the only time in our years getting to work together that uh, Pastor Jet came to me and said, What are you thinking? <laughs> oh, were you thinking? <laughs> and sometimes I wasn't. <laughs> sometimes I just looked at a shirt and tie and thought, This feels right i don 't care what my eyesight tells me; this just feels right, with a face like this, I can rock a whole lot of different looks and i can i can can pull it off. But the Lord brought andrea and i and I am I am grateful for my wife. Um, God has added so much to my life through andrea, and then our children are amazing. Um, one time we were in Texas, your pastor was talking about driving, and we were stopped at like two in the morning for speeding. And uh, I refused to convert to a 15 passenger van. And so we're still in a suburban with all 10 of us. And I've just modified it a little bit so that it's legal and safe. We got stopped, and it's two in the morning. And normally they just come straight to your window. And uh, this guy made a couple loops around our suburban. <laughs> and then he looks inside at me and he goes, Are these all yours? <laughs> had several clever answers going through my mind at that moment, but I did not use them, thankfully. um, But we're, we're grateful to be here. The Lord brought our family to Stillwater, Oklahoma at just the right time. And through that, brought Jason and Aaron and their children into our lives at just the right time for us. And they have been, in many ways, a tremendous help. God's used them in so many different ways beyond what we could describe, uh, to be a help to us personally and then in the ministry as well. And uh, he is my best friend, and I don't know that I add nearly as much to his life as he adds to mine, but I am so thankful for the relationship that I get to have with him and sure do, sure do love he and Aaron and uh, the kids and are, and are grateful for them. It was really neat to see how God was taking both of our families through a similar transition at a similar time. And uh, he and I had uh, several opportunities to just to pray together and then to talk about that. And when I figured out what was going on in his life, I'm like, well, I'm out of here if you're leaving. And so I just put, no, I'm kidding. Totally kidding, that's not, that's not real at all. But God, it was obvious. It was obvious in both of our lives. It was obvious to our wives it was obvious to the church that we called home for so many years in, in Stillwater, Oklahoma, that God was doing something very unique there and in our lives and at that time. And so to get to go through that transition during a similar time frame is has been very special for us and want you to know that we have prayed for you and are excited about what God wants to do in the life of Eastside Baptist Church. You know, one of the there are many things that uh, Brother Jason uh, has much more experience with me uh, than me in, and he and he is just far more advanced than I am in in several areas. But one of the things that I do have more experience in and, and this isn't a joke in any way, one of the things that I do have more experience in just because of the different path that God has taken on, taken me on in ministry is going through pastoral transitions. And uh, this is the second time that I have gone through a pastoral transition. The first one I went through directly out of Bible college and uh, w- followed a man who started a church and then pastored that church for 39 years. And uh, I was able to be there with my family for just a little over seven years And then the Lord took us to Stillwater, and now I've gone through the second pastoral transition in my life. And uh, I'm not going to go into any great detail except to say this. God has allowed me through those transitions to, to experience that pastoral transitions can go really well, or they can also go really poorly. They can go great, or they can go bad. And there are are multiple people that are involved in that. Number one, it's the outgoing pastor. Number two, it's the incoming pastor. But number three, it's the people that make up the church. And each of those units have something to do with how the transition goes. It's not one unit more than the other unit. Each of those units have something significant to contribute to whether it goes well or whether it goes poorly. And so I want to encourage you in that area tonight with your part in that. Um, If you would go ahead and stand and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34. Deuteronomy chapter 34 beginning in verse number 5. And we're reading in Deuteronomy just to establish the context, but our primary focus will be in Joshua chapter 1. So beginning in verse number 5 of Deuteronomy 34, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of a sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated, And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Look at verse 1 of chapter 1 in Joshua, please. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Notice this next couple of phrases. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. We'll talk more about what's in this chapter. But I want to encourage you tonight to make the most of this transition. I didn't tell your pastor what I was planning to preach. He, he would never, unless there was a specific meeting going on, ask me to preach on anything specific. But I love them personally. But more than that, I know that God loves this church. God loves this church. God loves you. And his desire is that this work would continue to flourish. But you have something to say about whether it does or whether it does not. Specifically, and how you respond from one leader to another leader. So... Please understand, prayed about this, and ask God to help my spirit take this as nothing more than someone who has been through this a couple of times now, just trying to be a help. Amen. And consider how God might be challenging you tonight to make sure that Eastside continues to move forward. Father, I sure do appreciate the opportunity to be here with this church family. And God, I... I'm so grateful for your goodness and that you give us a church to belong to. And I want to thank you for Pastor Spencer and for the years of life that he and his wife and their family poured into this people in this community and for the evidence of that. God, I know that you continue to love them and use them and you will continue to use their influence here And yet, Lord, this church is still fresh off of a transition. And while there is great opportunity and potential, there is also some danger. And God, I pray that your people would not be lethargic or indifferent in going through this transition, but that they would be aware of the danger and that they would be willing to take proactive steps to make sure that this work keeps moving forward in all the ways that you want it to. So help me tonight not to get in the way and help me not to hinder your truth in any form. But God, just simply use me to communicate truth that would be helpful to your people in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. So one of the one of the passions that in that Pastor Jet and I share and we had to keep it under wraps, or we could not express it to our full, uh, to our full, to the fullest degree. When we worked on staff at Bible Baptist, was we both, we both love Oklahoma Sooners, Boomer Sooner, and I can tell that's about as popular here as it is in Idaho. And so, um, we we really enjoy OU sports, specifically football. And I remember one time. Uh, family in the church, they had their season ticket holders to all of the Oklahoma State games, and they didn't know me that well yet, and they said, hey, Brother Jonathan, do you want to go to a Bedlam game, which is when OU and o- OSU play, and it happened to be in Stillwater that year, and so they, they gave me an extra ticket and said, bring somebody along, and so automatically I called Jason, I'm like, hey, you want to go to the Bedlam game, and so we show up sitting next to them, decked out in their Oklahoma State gear, and we are decked out in OU gear, and OU put, I'm sorry, Audrey, OU put the beat down. And it was wonderful. And I never got invited back to another game at Oklahoma State. And we like, we like some OU football. OU was formerly coached by Bob Stoops. He was there for 18 years. And his record over those 18 years was 190 wins to 48 losses. 190 wins to 48 losses. They played in four national title games, and he won one. He won 10 conference titles. And Stoops is one of four OU coaches with at least 100 wins or more over their career. And Stoops is the all-time winningest coach in Oklahoma football. No other school has more coach or has co- has more than three coaches with 100 wins or more. Oklahoma has four of them. No other college has more than three. And the point is this: that Oklahoma football has a long tradition of winning, and they're expected by their fan base and by the national pundits to consistently be relevant in competing for the awards that would be relevant in college football. Well, in 2017, Bob Stoops retired, and one of his newer assistants, Lincoln Riley, became the head coach. Let me tell you what the expectations were not. The expectations were not that Lincoln Riley come in and that he begin to average only 5 or 6 wins. The expectations were that even though there was a transition from one great head coach to a relatively unknown head coach, the expectation was that oh, OU continue to win. That was the expectation. Just because there was a transition from a proven coach to someone who was relatively, at least by, OU, by the OU standards, was relatively unknown and maybe to some degree unproven, the expectation was still that we continue to advance, that we continue to win, that we continue to compete. Well, maybe to some's surprise, OU has done just that. They have continued to win. And you don't have to be happy about it, but I'll be happy about it. They have continued to be relevant on the national title scene. In the two years that Lincoln Riley has been the coach, he began his third year this year. In the two years that he's been the coach, they've won the Big 12 Conference Championship both years. They've played in the national semifinal both years. We won't talk about how those games have gone, but at least they've been able to get to them for a couple of years. Here's the point. They went from one leader to another, but the trajectory of the team has continued up. From one leader, from one coach, to another coach, and yet their trajectory hasn't done this. It's continued to do this. Now, there is something that is far more important than college football. There is something far more important than any sport. In fact, something so important that the Bible tells us that Jesus died for it, and that is the life of his church, the life of his people, God loves his people and as it was stated so well this morning God has God has set the table as evidence of his love and he has proven that over and over and over again and tonight as we get into this you need to understand that God loves you as a body at East Side Baptist Church God loves this people and his desire is that from one leader to another leader, that the trajectory continued to be forward, that it continued to be up, that it continued to advance. Well, the people in Israel went through a similar leadership transition. Now, Moses and Joshua were very unique men, and I'm not I'm not saying that Pastor Spencer and Pastor Jet are the same as Moses and Joshua, and certainly not saying that Eastside Baptist Church is the same as the nation of Israel, but there are elements of it that are applicable and from which we can learn some very important lessons and an important lesson tonight. Now, Moses was a leader that was used by God to do great things for his people. Look at verse number 10 in Deuteronomy 34. We intentionally skipped it. Verse number 10, And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, and all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his land. And in all that mighty hand... And in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. Now look, it's easy from a historical perspective to nitpick the weaknesses and some of the character flaws in people. But Moses was an extraordinary man. And you could say, well, yeah, but he kind of doubted when he was there at that burning bush. Listen, if you could even comprehend an ounce of the pressure that Moses was feeling when God was speaking to him, you would understand why Moses was hesitant to go to the children of Israel and to confront Egypt. You're talking about in Egypt, the, the world superpower at the time. And in the children of Israel, you're talking about a group of people who had lived as slaves for 400 plus years and who knew nothing about being their own indigenous nation, who knew nothing about operating on a national, a national infrastructure, who knew nothing about warfare. They were helpless sheep in need of a shepherd to deliver them, and God sent Moses, and through Moses, he wrought a great deliverance, overcoming the greatest military power at the time. It was incredible. In fact, it was so incredible that all these thousands of years, we are still talking about it today. People who write on the issue of leadership, they are still referencing Moses and his character and his leadership style. In, in teaching leadership principles, God used Moses to do some amazing things in the life of the nation of Israel. The ultimate goal, please remember this, the ultimate goal was to eventually get the children of Israel to the promised land. That was the promise God made to Abraham long before Moses was thought of by anybody except for God. God had made a promise when he called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees and said, you're going to go to a land that I'm not yet going to show you. And I'm going to make of your seed more than the stars in the sky, more than the sandwiches by the seashore. And I'm going to give them a land to inherit. And from Abraham on, from generation to generation, that promise was passed on that one day God will give us the promised land. that's what they waited for. Now that dream flickered and in many hearts it kind of died out over the centuries of bondage in Egypt. But God restored and revived that dream and revived that hope and revived the passion for that when he brought Moses onto the scene. Now as you know, as you know, they didn't quite make it into the promised land. And so the inevitable eventually happened, and that was this. It's what we read about in verse in chapter 34. Moses' time as a leader had come to an end. Now, just strictly speaking about this text, when a leader starts and when a leader stops, that is in God's hand. It's up to the Lord. And God had used Moses for the time that he had chosen to use Moses, and now it was time for Moses to no longer be the leader of the nation of Israel. But thankfully, because because God loves his people, because God loves his people, he had prepared another leader for them. Because God loves his people, he had prepared another leader for them. And that leader, as you know, was Joshua. Look at verse 1 and 2 of Joshua chapter 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people. And so God puts his, and this was referenced in chapter 34 of Deuteronomy, God puts his approval on Joshua being the next leader. Now, please get this. From one leader in Moses to the next leader in Joshua, the purpose of God did not change at all. So from being in bondage in Egypt Through the wilderness, when they received the Ten Commandments, and they received the law, and they received the design of the tabernacle, and they saw the pillar of fire, and they saw the pillar of the cloud, and they saw the miracles at the Red Sea, and they saw the manna, and they saw the water coming out of the rock, through all of that, the purpose was eventually to get them to the promised land, and God used all of those events to develop their faith, and to prove himself to them, and to prove them, and to rebuke them, and to teach them, and to grow them, and through all of that, it was a continuous process and movement to take them to another level, which would eventually culminate in the promised land. But then as you read Joshua, you find that after entering the promised land, that God continued the process of helping them to move to new levels, to new stages of maturity and to accomplish greater things for him. So from one leader to another leader, the purpose of God did not change. Okay, so you remember the OU illustration from Bob Soups to Lincoln Riley. The expectation is that the trajectory just continue up. For the people of Israel, God's expectation was not that, well, now that Moses is gone and there's not anybody like him... Now that he's gone, well, I guess I'm just going to have to settle for second best with Israel, and the best that you'll ever have as a nation is just kind of wandering around here in the wilderness, because you don't have Moses anymore. No, from Moses to Joshua, the expectation, the divine expectation, the divine purpose was that the trajectory continue to move forward, that you continue towards the promised land, and that you not just get to the borders, but you get in it, and you not just get in it, but you have victory after victory after victory after victory. His expectation, God's, I'm not talking about any people yet, God's expectation did not change. His purpose did not change from one leader to another leader. Mm. But there was a danger. And that danger was this, that the people would be hesitant To follow a new leader. This is a real danger. Now just from a human perspective. Let me address that danger. From the perspective of the children of Israel. They had great reason. To follow the leadership of Moses. That's a good point. (laughs) We're talking about. Ten plagues. We're talking about getting rich while you're going out of Pharaoh, leaving Egypt. (laughs) Moses didn't tax the people. They taxed the Egyptians. Hallelujah. What a leader. (laughs) The Red Sea, the Ten Commandments, manna. I mean, you read about the intensity of Moses and when they were acting ridiculous with the golden calf and he grinds that thing to powder. And then he tells all these grown adults, drink that water. Yes, sir. <laughs> and he was some kind of leader. They had, they had confidence, especially this generation, because they had seen a faithless generation pass off the scene. They had confidence. Joshua, as the leader, was somewhat of a new commodity. But please get this. He was not an unproven commodity. There is a difference between unknown and unproven No, he was known as the guy that worked for Joshua. For almost two decades, Brother Jason was known as the man who worked for Wayne Hardy. Wayne Hardy has influence and has a reputation beyond Stillwater, Oklahoma. And while Jason Jett might have been unknown, it does not mean he was unproven. So the children of Israel are faced with a leader off the scene that they know they can trust and one that they have to yet learn that they can trust. But please get this. If they're going to go forward, they must trust. They must. So in verse 5, God encourages Joshua. Just look at the last couple of phrases. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Okay, I love this about leadership. God's not with one leader more than he's... Or God is not unwilling to be with a new leader more than he was with the old leader or less than he was. God is willing to be with every leader of every generation to whatever degree they'll allow him to be. God said to Joshua, hey, I was with Moses. You saw that. Did you like it, Joshua? Well, guess what? I'll be with you in the same way that I was him. I was with... I was with him. So God encouraged him. Notice, notice what he never said. You can, I'm, just for the sake of time, man, I need to hurry up and get through some of these points. But for the sake of time, I won't read all this. But in all of Joshua or God's expectation or exhortation to Joshua, God never commanded Joshua, be like Moses. He never said, be like Moses. This is what he said to be. You love me and you be faithful to me like Moses loved me and was faithful to me. You obey my word, like Moses obeyed your obeyed my word. Well, in verse 11, Joshua commanded his people, and he said, "Pass through the host and command the people saying, "Prepare you victuals for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it." Now why did he command them that? Because God had commanded him that. God had said, okay, my purpose has not changed from this leader to this leader, so I want you to tell the people my purpose is still the same, so it's time for you to move forward. And so Joshua did. Then in verse number 16 and 17, And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Listen, this is what they were saying. Look, we don't know you. We don't know you as the leader as well as we knew Moses. But we're going to be with you. And our hope is that God will be with you. And as God is with you, then we will be with you. And because we believe God is with you, we, we can trust you even though we don't yet know you as well just yet as the leader. So they recognized. Now, I was going to use this as a joke. In verse number 18, they basically said, if anybody disobeys you, we'll put them to death. And I just want to say, I'm thankful we don't live in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. So what happened? What happened with them? Well, there's a lot of different things that happened, but the overall theme that happened in Joshua is this. The people realized the purpose that God had for them as a nation. And and you cannot overstate this. I cannot be too dramatic with this. That generation that followed Joshua got to experience what had been promised for hundreds of years to the people of Israel. They got to realize what generations had hoped and prayed for, but had never seen with their own eyes. And part of it was because of this. God's purpose for his people did not change from one leader to another. The second reason they got to experience it was this. They were willing to follow Joshua the way that they were willing to follow Moses. God's purpose for his people is to use new leaders... To take them to new levels. God's purpose for his people through a leadership transition is to take them to new levels. Now please, I'm still just talking about Moses and Joshua. This is not a criticism at all about Moses. Here's the leadership of Moses. Unlike anybody else, God used him to do things that he did not use anybody else to do. But aren't you glad that God wasn't finished with Israel when God was finished with Moses? Their children were. And so God used the new leader in Joshua to take his people to another level. This is simply a recognition of this truth that God, from one transition to another transition to another transition, God wants the work of his people to keep moving forward. guess what? If the Lord doesn't return in the next however many years, Eastside Baptist Church will go through another transition. Because God uses specific people at specific times for specific purposes. His intention is always that his people continue moving forward. And because he loves his people, when he's finished with one leader, he brings in another leader to take the people of God to another level. But in order to experience that, in order to experience that purpose, the people have to be on board with the per- the person that God has brought in to lead them and to minister to them. So I'm, I've known of Brother Spencer, of Pastor Spencer, for several years just because of my attending Heartland. And he has a great reputation, a godly reputation. And uh, in different ways has had an, even though he and I wouldn't have a personal relationship we've met and we've talked on different occasions, but he has had an influence in my life through his investment at Heartland and through the kind of man that he is, through the kind of pastor that he has been through his family. And my understanding is that he was here for around 40 years and pastored for something like 34 of those years. And yesterday, pastor jet took me by the building that Eastside used to inhabit And then now to see this building, can I be transparent? I giggle a lot. I'm a giggler. And when I saw that building and then saw this building, I just started giggling. (laughs) In fact, when we walked in the sanctuary before the men's prayer meeting, your pastor was telling me, man, you got to settle down. (laughs) It's just from one building. No, and God used Brother Spencer from one building to another building. And when you just look at the buildings, you can say, man, God has used this man and these people in this generation to do some amazing things. But God is not primarily excited about buildings. You know what God's excited about? What's sitting in these pews right now. That's what God is excited about. And from family to family and from generations of family to generations of family, you can see the imprint of Pastor Spencer's influence and the influence of Mrs. Spencer. And you can see how God has used him over multiple generations to raise up a people and to take the grace that the ladies sing about so well, to take that grace and to introduce it to people. God has used the Spencers over and over. Over and over again. To raise up a people for his glory. And to accomplish his purpose in their life. It's wonderful. Glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And I know without knowing him. I know Pastor Spencer would rejoice. And would thank God for being used. To minister. And to help. And to influence his community in so many ways. But this is inevitable doesn't matter how long you minister, how well you minister, how much you're loved in your ministering. Eventually, your time to minister comes to an end. And God's in control of that. Um, God led Brother Spencer. You know, I need to start thinking about the future of Eastside without me. And God led him to consider that man. So God led him to consider that man. You say, where did, where did all of this come from? You know, God uses different influences around the way to help bring us to the conclusion we're supposed to be. But God led Brother Spencer in considering the future of Eastside Baptist Church and what God would have for this church to consider that man and that woman and their family. And then God worked in that man and that woman to bring them here. And God worked in you to affirm what God had already worked in Pastor Spencer's heart and Pastor Jet's heart, to affirm that by giving your consent and your vote to that. You say, what's the purpose of that? Hey, God's not looking down from heaven saying, man, an experienced pastor and one who is unknown, not unproven, but unknown, man, I guess I'm just not going to have great expectations for Eastside Baptist Church. That's not what God is doing. God, remember, you are a whole lot more important than a football team. God wants the trajectory to keep going. You say, man, we've been able to be witness to some amazing things. Well, guess what? You can be witness to more amazing things. There are still great days ahead. And I don't think Pastor Spencer would mind this being said, that maybe the best days of Eastside Baptist Church are still ahead. There are great things that God can do and that God wants to do. There are more people that needs to be that need to be reached with the grace of God. There are more specials that need to be sung. There are more children that need to be ministered to. There are more souls that need to trust in Jesus Christ. There are more marriages that need to be restored. There are more addicts that need to be set free. All over this community, there is more work that God wants to do through this people. He wants the trajectory to keep going up. New level, new leader to take to another level. But in order for that to happen, you have to be on board with it. Yeah, it's good. It's right. it's good. You say, What's the biblical precedent for that? Please get this. Please get it. Here's the biblical precedent Moses was a great leader, and yet there was a generation of God's people that did not experience God's purpose. Not because Moses failed as a leader but because they failed to follow like they should have. See, the people of God, it's not just enough for a leader to be following God. The people of God have to be on board with that leader. You say, no, we have to be on board with God. No, in order to be on board with God, you have to be on board with the leader God has brought. If you're going to be on board with God's purpose then you have to be on board with the person that God has brought to minister to and to lead. So let me give you some practical things, and then we'll be done. How can you be on board with the leader so that you as a church can go to new levels? Number one, you need to pray much for your pastor. You look, I believe a I believe a case can be made when you look in the life of Joshua that some of, the, some of the most noticeable struggles that they had were a result of not seeking God like they should have. You know, you consider AI, you consider the treaty with the Gibeonites, I think that's who it was with. And there was just, there were some actions that happened as a result of not seeking God first. And some struggles that they had of, as a result of not seeking God first. If you want to be a help, you want to be on board with your pastor... Pray for him to have the mind of God and pray for him often. Pray for his wife often. Pray for his children often. You say, well, why should I do that? Because if, they, if this church is going to go where God wants it to go, then they need to be following God and they need, they need spiritual help in doing that. And you can help that by praying for them. Pray for them often. Number two. Assume the direction that your pastor is leading is the direction that God is leading. Okay, remember the difference between unknown and unproven? Joshua in chapter 1 was relatively unknown. But it doesn't mean he was unproven. And when Joshua came to them and said, hey, this is what God said to do, the people didn't say, hang on, hang on. You need to prove to us that you're following God. No, they just said this. We're with you. You follow God. So many times in churches, so many times in independent Baptist churches, people can develop a skeptical heart to new leadership. Assume that if God was in your pastor pursuing him, and that if God was in him coming here, assume that his leadership here is a result of following God. Give him, give his family the benefit of that. Assume that he is trying to follow the Lord as Pastor Spencer followed the Lord. You say, "Well, no, 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 no. I, that needs to be proven." No, just follow, and then it'll be proven. You know, it's interesting. This is interesting about Jesus with his disciples. He didn't. He didn't tell Peter to get out of the boat and walk on water after he had proven that Peter could walk on the water. He just said, "Hey, get out on the water, and then you'll know that you can." <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. Assume the direction he is leading is the direction God is leading. Number three, and I'm, I'm going to say this so gently. I don't want it to be misunderstood. Don't hold the new leader to a standard that you did not hold the previous leader to. You know, I think a case can be made that Joshua made some mistakes in his leadership. You know what else can be made? Moses made some mistakes. Pastor Spencer would never claim to be perfect. He wouldn't. Too humble, too honest of a man, too godly of a man. But you know what can happen with people? Is that because of, your natural, because of the natural skepticism that can be in us sometimes, is that we hold a new leader to a higher standard than we held the previous leader to. You know, I, I love Jason Jett. His wife accuses me of having a crush on him. Like I got a man crush on him. He's my best bud, man. I do love him. I, I was in his office all the time. <laughs> I just want to hang out with you. <laughs> so, man, I mean, we were getting off the plane. Andrea and I were we're get we're getting off the plane in, at the airport here in town. And Andrea's is behind me, and I'm just starting to grin. <laughs> <laughs> and it's. And I turned around, and I, or I didn't even turn around. I just said, "I am, I am trying not to, but I am smiling like a tomcat right now." And she's like, "I know, I can see it from behind." <laughs> I was just, I was just excited to see my buddy. I was excited to see Aaron. Excited to see the kids. Excited to see all of you. To say, "I'm just, I'm just excited." But this is what I know. As much as I love him, he's not perfect. Just be careful that as and remember this, God's not just building a work, he's building a man. And, and just be careful that you don't hold him to a standard that you did not hold the previous pastor to. Number four, recognize that the differences in personality and style are divine. God had a specific purpose for Pastor Spencer. And he has a specific purpose for Pastor Jet. And it, required, it requires similarities, but it also requires some differences in personality and in style. And sometimes this is what we do. We treat preferences like they are doctrine. It's okay that you have your preferences. Just don't treat them like they're the inspired word of God. Allow him to be what he is to be what God has prepared him to be and understand that God will use him in his unique skill set and his unique personality to accomplish very specific things in the life of this church. Number five, here's the last thing. Be willing to go to another level. And I, I wish we could detail it, but they went to another level. They went to another level even when they stumbled they went to another level when they crossed the Jordan River and put the and the Ark of the Covenant comes down and the people cross. And you know what they saw when they happened? They said, "Hey, we remember a story about our fore, our forefathers crossing a body of water, and that was with Moses. And now we're crossing a body of water, and that's with Joshua. And it, and both of them were equally miraculous. And then they went on to Jericho. And what do you want us to do? You want us to march around? So, well, I mean, hey, as If you're following God, we'll follow you. Let's march around seven times or one time for seven days. And on seven days, we'll march around seven times. And man, you want us to blow the trumps? You want us to shout? Okay, sounds like a different battle plan, but we'll do it. Walls come down. And man, they were there. And then they have the they have the failure at AI and God teaches them some lessons. But then they follow the instructions of God. And again, God blesses them. The people were willing over and over again to go to another level. Be willing to go to another level. Listen, don't be content. Don't have the attitude and say, well, this is enough. There are more people that need to be reached. You can have more of and know more of. You can have more of God in the sense you can experience more of his work in your life. You can see him use you in maybe even greater ways than he has yet. So be willing to go to another level. But here's what that's going to involve. You know, Pastor Jet mentioned this morning a loving push. (laughs) Pastor Spencer did this, and now Pastor Jet's going to have the fun of doing this. He's going to to present you with truth that is going to stretch you. (laughs) And that's how it's going to feel. (laughs) It's going to feel like this. I don't like this. And it seems like it seems like I'm being stretched a little, and maybe the expectation is like being put here, and then maybe we're being asked to do this. Be willing to go to another level. And another way you do that is this: participate with enthusiasm. Oh you know, like. I like it when people are excited about what's going on in God's house. You know what I enjoy about the ladies' special? They weren't just singing a special. They were singing it like they had experienced it. It was almost like they were excited about what they were singing. <sighs> people ought to be able to walk in here and know you want to be here. People ought to be able to walk in here and know you like your pastor. People ought to be able to walk in here and know you like each other. People ought to be able to walk in here and know that you are excited about the truth you're singing about. People ought to be able to walk in here and know that you believe what is being preached, what is being prayed about. Be all in. Be willing to go to another level. God brings a new leader to take us to a new level. But you have to be willing to go to a new level. Let's all stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.